Hey everyone, this is Austin here. I wanted to hop on before the episode begins and say thank you for listening. Today, I got to sit down with my guest, Brother Lawrence. I hope you enjoy the episode. Being, uh, we're always real, but to be honest, the agnostic, the atheist, they're being reasonable here. It, that's what I'm saying. So many well-meaning Christians, they'll, they'll say, well, if God is God, who are, what are we to say? Who are we to tell what God what God can and cannot do. Which is sure, a, which is a but, cop out. What did Jesus say? He said, Father, forgive them. When he was up on the cross being crucified by the ones that he came to save, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He wants his creatures, the ones who he has created, to come to repentance and for them to have eternal peace, joy, happiness, eternal life with him in heaven. And he doesn't desire and he doesn't want people to, to perish. And then that atheist is left with the, what the Bible says is not true. Yeah. They're left with something that is unscriptural. The natural question that comes up in every conversation I've had with people is, well, if hell isn't a place where I'm tortured forever, then what incentive do I have to follow God? So I'm sure everyone has heard of this top of the topic of um, eternal hellfire in the Bible, right. and it, it it seems to be a pretty universal thing. Whether you're Christian, atheist, agnostic, pauper, or president, like a, a yeah. way of saying it, like everybody has, goes through every class. Everybody has heard of this doctrine, and it creates uh, how you respond to this doctrine. It it creates a big reaction because it's a big thing. Like the idea that God punishes people for all eternity is a big, uh, it's a something big to say, to say that a loving God will punish people, will punish sinners for all eternity, for the sins, even if it's one sin, for the sins that they've committed on this earth is a bold thing to say. Yeah. And, and, and to punish for ever. It's not just a punishment, it's an everlasting Ever, torment. Everlasting torment, right. And, uh, and one sin, right, we know that sin keeps us out of heaven. Right. And say, even if someone sins one time, that means if they don't repent of that sin, that doctrine says that that person will be punished for all eternity, for everlasting, for as long as God is alive, they will be punished. Yeah. And that's what the common understanding of hellfire is, is that that happens. Mm -hmm. um but what does is this true like especially what i think about and it grieves me a lot because when you present that doctrine and when you talk about this doctrine with people it maligns it it really it maligns god's character because you're saying something albeit you know there's well-meaning christians that are are talking about this doctrine they're preaching this doctrine and pastors are you know pastors ministers are putting this doctrine out there as truth when the bible actually says something different about it yeah and that's why it's such an important thing because if you get this wrong you're that's why it, it it's hard for me to hear someone talk about it in the way 
it's hard for me in general to because it grieves my heart so much that God's character is being maligned and that's one of the big reasons why it is one of my favorite things to talk about just because to uplift God's true character Mm -hmm. and make him known for what his word actually says rather than what people are taught his word says and in the end his character can be summarized in a single word that's love love but then with you have the churches and Hollywood and the music industry perpetuating this idea that God is not love. Right. Because nobody out of love would torture somebody with the worst form of pain Mm -hmm. that any living creature can endure and not just for a moment before eternity. And it's irreconcilable it's a it's mutually exclusive to say that god is love and he would torture people for eternity right there's no reconciling those two things despite how much um uh, theologians and christian apologists and pastors try to reconcile those two things you just can't we as we're called to be the bride of christ that said take a married couple for example and what if the husband went to her and said, honey, you will love me. And if you don't, then I'm going to torture you for the rest of your life. Wouldn't the very idea of love be destroyed in her mind? Mm-hmm. And that's the point. Our, our God does not want to be worshipped out of fear. Hence the right. reason why he didn't destroy Satan and the rest of uh, the rest of those third of angels. That's why he didn't destroy them outright. Right. You know, he didn't want the rest of the angelic race to worship him out of fear. Right. And, okay, just being, uh, we're always real, but to be honest, the agnostic, the atheist, they're being reasonable here. They are. They're looking at this, this doctrine of hellfire and they're saying, you believe in a God who torments people forever and ever? Exactly. And I got to give it to them. They're right. Right. There, you look at this doctrine, what it does, it says that God hates people. It, that's what you're saying is God hates people because he burns and torments people forever. For, forever. And the atheist say, says, the agnostic or the atheist says, why would I want to worship that God? Exactly. And I understand that. That's logical because, yeah. because it's not God's character to do that. Like you said, God is love. And that's why I just wanted to mention is, like to the atheist, if you're atheist or if you're agnostic or if you're just not sure about what Christianity or whatever, it like that is a logical thing to come to. And like you were saying, the husband and wife, but take it for like a father and a son, for example. Mm-hmm. Say uh, 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 someone's son, a father's son, he's playing baseball and he throws the baseball, breaks the window. Mm-hmm. Is the fa- What does the father do? Yes, because, yes, because he has so much love for his son, he's going to discipline him. Yeah. He's going to, there's going to be a consequence, but he's not going to bring him to the basement and torture him for as long as he lives. He's, he's right. not going to torture him forever and ever and ever. God's own testimony it, about himself is that he is perfect and righteous and fair in judgment. And even in a, even in a godless secular society, we understand that the punishment must fit the crime. Yeah, exactly. And our father's no different. Now, some some might say that does the punishment really fit the crime that if somebody sins they should be destroyed for all of eternity which is actually what the bible says mm-hmm. 
Well, yes, because sin is treason against an all-holy God. Mm-hmm. And even treason itself uh, in world governments is treated with the death penalty. Mm. Because God is all-holy, all-perfect, no corruption, no shadow, no darkness at all. Sin is the essence of darkness. And it is treason against the government of heaven, against the character of God to commit sin. So yes, it is worthy of death, Mm -hmm. which is what the Bible says, but it's not worthy of eternal torment. That would make him an unrighteous judge. We understand looking at the sanctuary that the Lord's mercy and his judgment are equal Mm. and his judgment is always going to be righteous and pure. The Lord and it's said throughout the Bible, if you obey him, you live. If you don't, you die. Right. And even like you're saying, even in a secular society, there is different, there is differing consequences depending upon the crime committed. Right. Some are the death penalty, like you said. But for the person who uh, steals chapstick from the gas station, mm-hmm. steals, a pe- steals a pack of gum from the gas station, Right. Okay. Yes, that's breaking God's commandment. Yes, but it, that's not going to be God's. That, that that person that's saying that. Okay. That say that that was all they did in their entire life. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're still guilty before God, but because they stole a a chapstick from the gas station, they're going to burn in hell for eternity. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it's saying. There's there's that's an, exactly it's what a, they're saying. The Bible says that an unjust balance is an abomination. Right. There's that's a that's the scale on that does not line up at all. There's a balance is way too heavy on the side of judgment. Mm-hmm. It doesn't line up with the Bible in general, but there, that is not a, a just balance at all. And like you said, it doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. And uh, the key thing here that everybody needs to realize is that, uh, like you mentioned in the beginning, The idea that God would torture people in fire for all of eternity or torture them in any way for eternity does malign his character and it goes against the, it goes against his nature and it goes against uh, everything the Bible says. When it comes, there are two subjects that I found in the Bible where you see that there's a tremendous amount of information about it are Sabbath. Uh, the Lord's Seventh-day Sabbath, and hell. The reason being is because the Lord wants to make himself extremely clear on this matter. The The main issue, especially in the English-speaking world, is that the Bible uses several different words. Uh, if I remember, five different words, like f- I think four in Hebrew and uh, one or two in Greek. All of these are different words for what we just kind of, uh, as English speakers, use the word hell in all those places. And so you're not going to, nobody's going to get the full breakdown on what hell means unless we look into the Hebrew and the Greek. And, um, and not to mention also because next to no one follows Isaiah 28 verses 9 and 10, which says, if we want doctrine, the Lord teaches us how to study his Bible. And he reveals that by telling us in Isaiah 28, 9 and 10, that we have to go from Genesis to Revelation, 
grab every verse, every passage on the subject we're studying, put them all together, keep them in context to the chapters they're in, and then put them all together like a puzzle. And the Lord reveals his will in the, he reveals his will and he reveals his teaching when you put it together. Studying the Bible in the way he says to study it reveals a whole lot. And you Mm. see that the word hell does not even define itself in the way that it's defined in the Hebrew and the Greek. When in the end, the definition for hell, wherever you see it, is grave or destruction or pit. Mm -hmm. Nowhere in the definitions does it even remotely suggest a place of eternal torment. Mm -hmm. And so, and the other thing is without... When, when people aren't taught to study the Bible, let alone there being churches where their pastors and other leaders don't even tell them to read it, you know, so reading is one thing, studying is another. Right. You see that we can't just use the word, we can't just take the word hell and place uh, an umbrella uh, understanding to it because it means different things depending on the word, kind of like the word love. Mm. The word love in the New Testament, you see there are four different Greek words, yeah. the highest of which is agape. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Right. And in reality, in Greek, there are six, but the Bible uses four. So even in that, you get a different understanding of what love means, depending on where you see it and which Greek word is used. And we have to use that same understanding when it comes to hell. Even when people do study the subject of hell, they don't realize that there are even verses uh, like, uh, like the classic word that's constantly used is sheol. Mm-hmm. Sheol, yeah. you yeah. see it being used, uh, yes, to define the word hell, but it's also used in the word grave. Mm-hmm. So if you look in, uh, if you look in the Bible, uh, for instance, this is Jacob speaking. We know Jacob is a righteous man. We know he was a man of God. Mm-hmm. We see that continuously throughout the Bible. I mean, Israel is named, it is the name that Jacob was given, right? And yet in the story, when his sons are coming, you know, they've already seen Joseph in Egypt and Joseph says he wants to see his littlest brother, Benjamin. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, all right, I'm going to keep Simeon. And, uh, but you guys go back, you bring back Benjamin. You tell, you tell your father, I, I want to see Benjamin right? Jacob's reaction uh, was this in Genesis 42, 38. And he said, and I want everybody to remember, this is Jacob speaking. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about a wicked or unrighteous man here. In Genesis 42, 38, and he said, my son shall not go down with you for his brother is dead and he is left alone. If mischief befall him by the way uh, in the which ye go, then shall ye bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. The word grave there comes from the Hebrew word sheol. So those people, all the people out there who insist on saying that the the Hebrew word sheol and the word hell in general are, are um, intrinsically connected to a location of eternal suffering and torment are saying that Jacob mm-hmm. is going to go to hell. Yeah. Because it's the same word. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, thanks for sharing. <laughs> um, and even think about, well, I'm going to get, we're going to get to the part that people will say, well, 
the Bible says eternal fire. Well, mm-hmm. well what do you mean? Well, we'll get to that. Right. But um, think about it even from, think about, say you're, ki- you're cooking up something something in the kitchen. Okay. Say you're making this nice meal and you burn, you catch your finger on the stove and you burn your finger. That hurts. Yeah. That you, you just from touching your finger on the stove and you get a burn, whether it's a small burn or even a bigger burn, that is really painful. I was taking uh, a pan out of the <laughs> oven like yesterday with a glove on and it still and it burned still, my finger. I had to drop the whole thing. And imagine, just imagine that not, this isn't, we're not talking about, imagine the false idea of God eternally tormenting in fire. In This is screaming agony. This is torment. This is, this isn't burning your finger on the stove. Mm-hmm. You, we, we're not capable of that. And people are saying that God has to create a miracle for people to be to be sustained in eternal fire while he torments them for this doctrine to be true. Yeah. It, it, it's just, it, that's what I'm saying. So many well-meaning Christians, they'll, they'll say, well, if God is God, who are, what are we to say? Who are we to tell what God, what God can and cannot do? Which is, sure, a, which is a but, cop out. But yes, but if it goes against the Bible and it goes against his exactly. character, which is love itself, then it's it's a, an absurd. Re- it's not reality. Exactly. It's it's something that does not exist. And yes, there is a consequence for sin. Yes, God is just, and He is full of judgment. God says, even the Bible says, God has wrath. Mm-hmm. We know that they'll be poured out in the seven plagues. There, yes, there will be, <clears throat> there will be recompense to sin but not in the way of eternal torment. And you bring up the greatest contradiction that people seemingly don't don't even think about. The greatest contradiction here when saying that hell is a place of eternal torment is this, that life, eternal life, is granted to those who follow the Lord, and eternal death is okay. promised to those who... Uh, who choose to not obey him and love him. But, because you'll even hear that on the pulpits. They'll they'll even say that, yes, God kills, they're dead. And yet, when you think about it beyond step one, as you said, the Lord would have to create a miracle to eternally sustain Mm -hmm. the wicked in a state of life, Right, but it's still torment. So, so it, that makes him a hypocrite. It makes him a liar to say that life is granted to the righteous, and death is granted to the wicked, and yet the wicked are still alive. And it's still saying eternal life is given to the wicked. They're just burning in eternity. They're just burning in fire. Yeah, it's still giving eternal life to the wicked and the righteous. People say, but they're burning in eternity. And but in, that's not true. Exactly. But just to tie that in real quick before you, what you're gonna say is. That is why Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. 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 It doesn't say the wages of sin is eternal life because that's what hellfire eternal torment is. It, it, that's what it is. It says that the wages of sin is eternal life mm-hmm. when the Bible says it's death. Yeah, and the Lord promises that when eternity begins, affliction shall not rise up the second time. Right. But if he immortalizes the devil, if he immortalizes the demons, if he immortalizes the wicked with eternal life, affliction still exists. Mm -hmm. Sin still exists, which means now he's a liar again because he didn't, uh, because he says that sin, the sin will not rise up the second time. Mm -hmm. 
Well, because it's still there the first time. Right. You know, they're... And so that's one of the biggest contradictions. They, The people, those who unfortunately believe that hell is a place of eternal suffering and torment are are saying that sin is eternal. Mm-hmm. And the Lord promised that, no, it's not eternal. And uh, which, of course, leads into the Vatican dogma about the immortal soul. Yep. Uh, leads right. into, uh, of, of course... Um, Purgatory. Um, purgatory immediate life after death right all of those things which are vatican inspired right the bible speaks very plainly about these things mm-hmm. that uh, that there is no immortal soul were we supposed to we were we were yes. supposed to live right. immortal right as immortals we were supposed to until sin, sin entered the picture through uh, through eve first and then adam who's right. ultimately responsible yeah exactly and think about this too. Jesus, what did he came? He came to pay the fine and the wage for our sin. What was Jesus's punishment? He died. Exactly. He was in the grave for three days. The grave. Mm-hmm. Remember the grave? What we were ta- you were talking about earlier? Right. He was in the grave for three days and he rose from the dead. Mm-hmm. Jesus didn't wasn't tormented in hell. No, Jesus's punishment was death. Exactly. That's exactly what he got, and that's what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. And that's what ties into that the wages of sin is death. And he fulfilled that perfectly for us so we can live, so we wouldn't have to, um, so we wouldn't have to die. Exactly. But also, when in the Bible do you ever see Jesus showing a character of torment, hate, uh, anger? Well, sure, he had righteous anger. Yeah. But... What did Jesus say? He said, Father, forgive them. When he was up on the cross being crucified by the ones that he came to save, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Just like with the, just like with the, the subject of violence. When? For, for anybody out there who believes, that, who believes that our Father would torture people for all of eternity. When? In the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, do you ever see him committing violence? Or when in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ do you see, uh, does he ever manifest a spirit that would even remotely suggest that he would torture people for all of eternity? It's not in the, yeah, it's not there. And when, when Philip was asking, uh, was, was asking Jesus, was it Philip who said, show us the father? Yeah, I think so. Philip or, yeah, I think it was Philip. Philip or Thomas? I think it was Thomas. It might have been. Oh, I can't Philip. remember. It one of the two. Yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure. I, I could be. Could be wrong. Yeah, forgive that. me. I can't remember. But it says, "Show us the Father." Mm-hmm. And Jesus, Jesus says, "Those who see me have seen the Father." Right. So the character of the Father is the same character as the Son. Was Jesus right? And so the character we see of Jesus, having never committed any act of violence, nor had he ever shown a character that would show that would even remotely, remotely uh, give mm. give any any inkling right. that he would torture people for eternity. It's the same thing with his father. They are united in purpose. They are united in every single way. Mm -hmm. Being separate individuals, still united in purpose. Right. And so how can people say that? Not to mention one of the key verses that proponents of eternal life and hellfire frequently just gloss over is Matthew 10.28. Because Matthew 10.28 
Jesus is saying, and fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear mm. him which is able to destroy both, both soul and body in hell. He's not mm. saying that they're living in torment. Right. He's saying that hell, what it is, is total destruction, right. which goes hand in hand with the prophecy in Malachi 4, verses 1 and 3, of what happens to the wicked, which says, For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch, and ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. In the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Yeah, that's really clear there. That's what happens to the wicked. They are turned Mm -hmm. to ash to never live again Mm -hmm. in fulfillment of Romans 6.23, that the wages of sin is death. Right. And think about even uh, natural fire. Yeah. The the fire is only there until there's nothing until there's all no the fuel. corruption there's is no fuel up. right all the corruption is is not there anymore mm-hmm. and that's the same thing that happens with with the lord like sin yeah sin has a consequences sin has consequence excuse me and just like you said they will be ash that final destruction from the lord from, it'll be fire from the lord that will um make the wicked ash but also going off of that there's a couple verses where people might still be saying well what about uh sure i get what you're saying you know eternal eternal hellfire is not in the bible but what about where it actually says eternal fire what Mm -hmm. that that's in the bible it says that in the bible yes Yes, it it, does and it does um so we're gonna go to uh it's in jude 7 it said jude 7 well there's only one verse so 1 7 or jude 7 uh even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an, for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. And then in, it says the same thing in Second Peter 2.6. And turning, uh, speaking of God, who, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that should live ungodly. There you go. And so it's using this phrasing of eternal fire. But look look today at Sodom and Gomorrah. Is it still burning? Of course not. Is it still on fire? No. It God is simply saying the results of the fire are eternal. They're they're everlasting. Sodom and Gomorrah is not going to rise up again. It's it's destroyed. It's gone. And Peter, they both make the connection. Jude and Peter says that the same thing that happened to Sodom and Gomorrah is going to happen to those who disobey God, those who are wicked. Mm-hmm. It says because Sodom and Gomorrah was an example to those who should live ungodly. That's why the Lord specifically uses the word example. Exactly. But that's why uh, just to help, that's to help people. So it's just, that's simply put and that's simply what it's saying is that that's why God calls it eternal fire is it's simply he's saying that the results and the consequence of that fire that he has kindled is everlasting. It's <laughs> not saying the Bible is not saying God punishes and torments people forever and ever. It's simply saying it's the result of the destruction of, of him destroying. And some even still cling to the belief that uh, and again, this is perpetuated and uh, was first created and is still perpetuated by the Vatican 
and now held by Protestant churches worldwide, that Satan and his demons are also in hell, but they're the torturers, right? They're the they're the, they're the ones. Satan's there. the ruler in hell. Exactly. Yep. You see that especially in rock music and and stuff. Like, oh, I'm going to reign with Satan. And no, and because he, even comic books. Yeah. Everywhere in comic books, you see him with the pitchfork. Yeah. It's just universal. Yeah. When the Bible says otherwise. The Bible says, remember, we read Malachi 4, 1, and 3, Mm -hmm. which says what happens to the wicked people. Yeah. But the Lord even specifies through his prophecy what the, and we saw that the wicked people would be turned to ash. They'll be burnt until there's nothing left to burn and they're just ash. Mm -hmm. Well, this is what the Lord says uh, Satan and his demons are going to receive in Ezekiel 28, 17, and 18. Thine heart was lifted. So he's talking about the character of Satan here. Thine heart was lifted up. Uh, because of thy beauty thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness i will cast thee to the ground i will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities by the iniquity of thy traffic therefore will i bring forth a fire from the midst of thee it shall devour thee and i will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee Hmm. that is the reward for Satan, his demons, and everybody who follows them, they are turned to ash. Our God is not a God who tortures, right. but he will keep his word that if you choose, if anybody chooses to live a life of sin without repentance, yes, you'll be turned to ash. Right. You w- Yeah, you will. And we're, we're not... And some people will also say, well, you're just trying to get away from the fact that God is just and he has wrath and he has... No, that's not what we're saying at all. Like Lawrence just said, we the Bible is so clear that death is going to be... It will be the punishment. And he does have wrath and he does have justice. And those are... That's part of his character. But God, we have to remember, God is love. Second Peter says that he's not willing that any should perish. He has no, God says he has no delight in the death of the wicked. Amen. He, it's a strange act, he calls it. Yeah. In, he calls it in the book of Isaiah, I think. He says it's a strange act for him because he wants all of his creatures, all of, he loves them. For God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son, mm-hmm. right? The most well-known Bible verse in the world. But he wants his creatures the ones who he has created to come to repentance and for them to have eternal peace, joy, happiness, eternal life with him in heaven. And he doesn't desire and he doesn't want people to, to perish. Yeah, it's and, his and, will that all all men should be saved and live. That, that said, he'll never go against his blessing that he's given us a free will. He's not right. going to take any, anybody kicking and screaming to heaven because for them it would be hell. Right. He, and, and so he wants he wants people to choose him. Right. Because we're not robots. And that's a beautiful thing, hey. I mean, what a gift that he's given us free the, the ability to choose him or to not choose him. Mm. And that kind of makes me think of another another uh aspect of that as well is that people will say why does God send people to hell? He doesn't. He doesn't. Exactly originally hellfire was never for his creatures it wasn't for us it was for satan and his demons designed designed for them alone designed for them yes but 
when we go against, just like we're following in the path of, of Satan and his enemies by disobeying the Lord, when we disobey and we, and we sin, we follow their example. And mm. that God is no respecter of persons. If we do that, he's gonna, that punishment is going to be upon us as well. But like I said, it wasn't intended for us. No, but he also won't stop us from jumping in that pit. Right. And he, he gives us that ability to to make that choice. And that's a that's a beautiful thing, really. Amen. And how you mentioned the uh, eternal eternal uh, fire. Right. How people say, well, it actually says it, therefore it's eternal. But it's actually talking about the, the results of the fire mm-hmm. are eternal. Another verse that is widely used in all the churches to say eternal life and hellfire is a uh, revelation 14 11 because mm-hmm. revelation 14 11 says and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up uh forever and ever and they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name this verse in revelation is a favorite verse that millions of preachers use uh, to, pr- to prove, quote-unquote, that hell is a place of eternal punishing. But to prove that it's not actually saying this, we have to find out what the term forever actually means when God says it. And, uh, for example, in Isaiah 34, verses 9 and 10, right? Because if we're going to say universally that forever uh, means, mm-hmm. you know, what we commonly believe... yeah then they have to explain what Isaiah 34, 9 and 10 says. Like, and the streams thereof shall be turned into pitch, and the dust thereof into brimstone, and the land thereof shall become burning pitch. It shall not be quenched night nor day. The smoke thereof shall go up forever. From generation to generation it shall lie waste. None shall pass through it forever and ever. This is um, more poetic language that's used... Um, but we know that that the smoke that was going on during that time, it's not going to go up forever as we understand it. Right. But even further, uh, where is it? Also, where? It also makes me think of uh, when you're sitting in traffic. We say, oh, this traffic is taking forever. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, a, it's a figure of speech as well. It, it, it all depends upon the subject and it depends upon the topic of when it's how it's being used and when it's being used and why it's being used. Exactly. And, or even in uh, Exodus 21, 6, right? For, uh, in Exodus 21, 6, when talking about a servant who loves his master, he lo- well, really understood to be boss or employer. Yeah. Master is a little too strong of a translation there. Right. But because the the servants, the hired servants that Israel had were treated so well mm. that a lot of the times when they were free to go, they didn't want to go. Mm-hmm. They had a great life. And mm. that requires a lot of studying. Too. That's why I made a video on does the Bible condone slavery, slavery mm. as we understand it. Yeah, that's a big one that people like to. Yeah, yank, we can talk about out, that too. Yank out, yeah. But in Exodus 21, 6, then his master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or unto the doorpost. And his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. So those who say that forever mm. always means for right. all of eternity are saying that this man is going to serve his human boss mm-hmm. for all of eternity. Right. Like, no, it's forever. From our perspective, forever is until we die. Right. 
but from the Lord's perspective, uh, it's different. So it mm-hmm. does depend upon context. And uh, that makes me think of, <clears throat> thanks for bringing that up, because that brought to mind in Jonah. How mm. long would, when Jonah was in the whale, it says that, well, I'm paraphrasing, but it says that he was in the depths of the sea forever. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not depths of the sea or depths of the earth, uh, something like that, depths of the sea. But he was in the whale for three days, the Bible says. But it says he was, Jonah said he was in there forever. But yeah. it was it was three days. Yeah, Jonah 2.6. Yeah. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yeah. Yet hast, thou brought, yet hast thou <laughs> brought me up, uh, uh, yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. Right. And, and it's actually another, it, that's cool because it's another, uh, like a type of Jesus, how Jesus was in the grave three. Because yeah. Jesus says, no sign shall be given you except the sign of Jonas, he says. Mm-hmm. But um, but the, the thing that, I think it just, unless you had something else that you wanted to say, I, I think it just grieves me so much because it, it's just hard for me to, that's what I'm saying. There's so many well-meaning Christians, yeah. so well-meaning and genuine Christians who either just don't know or else they just put it off to God is God. Who am I to say? Yeah. Without, with, without, without, studying. without studying, without going into the Bible, without asking the Holy Spirit for guidance, because we know that he's the only one who can help us to understand the word in the first place. But it just, it's just hard for me to like one, once you know what the Bible says, mm-hmm. it's like how you want others to know about the truth. Talk, I mean, for just like, even for the atheist or the agnostic, like that, you get that jealousy for the Lord. Like they don't know what their reasoning, that reasoning that they do have is cur- like, it's, it's accurate. Sure. There's other areas where, you know, other things that could be off, but in that area, it's just like they're spot on. But yet Christians, I remember I was online. I was online at this place. I don't know if anybody knows it. It's called Clubhouse. I don't go on it anymore, Mm -hmm. but it's a place where there's lots of discussions. There's lots of uh, places that, or there's lots of, uh, yeah, like rooms and groups that you can join in to like have discussions or debate. You know, some people will debate. Some people are just real aggressive and rude. Um, others, you know, they're, you know, they're nice about it and things like that. But I was in like this Christian group that I was in and you can join these groups. And I remember this guy, he was an atheist and he was asking this, this, uh, he, he brought up the same thing. To the, and this guy was a Christian, but the atheist was speaking and he was like, you believe, he's like, you, your mom loves you, right? And he brought that, he brought that up about your mom, you know, would you torture your mom or would your mom torture you? That he brought up that analogy and the guy, the Christian, he kind of paused, didn't know what to say. And then he was like, well, God is God. Like, I can't, that's, that's who he is. Like, that's what the Bible says. And they just don't know. And then that atheist is left with the, what the Bible says is not true. They're left with something that is unscriptural and something that maligns God's character. And then that sets them on a path to start hating God, to go against him, to start getting others to go against him. It's, it, it sets off this whole parabola for these these people who hear these things that don't line up with the bible and it sets them on a negative course 
it's one thing it's one thing to say that the Lord burns people forever. It's another thing altogether to conceive of that punishment being inflicted upon somebody you love. And for those who do eventually understand that hell is not a place of eternal torment, but it is a place of eternal death, the natural question that comes up in every conversation I've had with people is, well, if hell isn't a place where I'm tortured forever, then what incentive do I have to follow God? Mm-hmm. Like if, and the answer to that is you don't need incentive of punishment for those who love the Lord. It's enough. It is hell enough to even think about not being with him (laughs) and for the wicked who choose to not follow him, though they don't see any incentive, it's because they simply don't have a relationship with him. They don't know how good it tastes to know the Lord. But once they do, you don't need, you don't need a, you don't need the, um, what's it called? You don't need the threat of being tortured for eternity Mm -hmm. because being separated from his love is enough torture on its own. Evidence of that is when, when Jesus took all of our sins of every man and woman from past present and future upon himself on the cross he having never committed sin himself when he cried out on the cross like father why hast thou forsaken me it's because for the first and only time in all of eternity he felt the pain of not having his father's presence upon him and because sin cannot exist in the same place as uh, as our all holy father mm. now it's not because jesus sinned but because he took our sin upon himself mm-hmm. and so naturally he cried out in that agonizing cry mm-hmm. and for when the lord brings us close to his side it is agonizing to even conceive of not being with him Ooh. you don't need to be threatened with eternal torture right you don't need that as a deterrent because the Lord doesn't want us to worship him out of fear, like we talked about earlier. Those who believe in eternal life and hellfire, more often times than not, are simply like, well, I might as well go to church and follow God because I don't want to go to hell. That's the wrong mindset. Right. We don't follow the Lord because we're scared of him. Christianity is not fire insurance. Mm. We do what we do. We follow him as we do because we love him, not because we fear him. That's the key difference. And Amen. the eternal life and hellfire doctrine has people turning to God out of outright fear, which is the opposite of love. Well, yeah, very well said. I have two points that I want to mention before we, uh, before we're done with this, this episode is that um, number one, taste and see that the Lord is good. Once you see the Lord, who He is, what He's done, who and what He is doing, you don't need fire insurance, like you don't that you don't need that just like you put it the lord is enough the mm-hmm. lord is enough for all things like you do not <laughs> once my grace when, is sufficient for thee. my exactly my grace is sufficiency for for thee but once you get the taste of the lord's love you don't need anything else yeah it's it's something that is unlike anything you'll ever experience like ever um, and the the second point I wanted to 
mention before um, before we close here is that the the reason why this the one no this is probably the main reason that why this doctrine has been created yes like Lawrence has said it's Lawrence said by the Vatican by Rome by you know false teachers by um, by all of that right mm-hmm. but we know it's from Satan himself because only he is going to move people that moves he is the one who wants people to move away from God in general but he doesn't want he knows he's not going to be saved in the end so he, he is doing all he can so that others will follow him and his demons mm-hmm. to hellfire so he does not want others to be saved and this is one of the main doctrines that pushes and draws people and shoves them away from God because of how appalling it is. Yeah, they see him as a, a tyrant and yeah. a, and a torturer. Exactly. And yeah, so that was just one of the one of the main things that I yeah, it, last things I wanted to mention unless you had something else. Well, just you know, we only had a few minutes to talk about this, but if anybody wanted to, they can go to my YouTube channel or my TikTok channel where every every last verse mm-hmm. talking about talking about hell is in a compilation of videos on both things at four mm-hmm. and seven ministry and i even have the playlist at the top of my the home page on four and seven ministry.org because it's such a huge topic yeah that all of it is there we were only able to cover like a handful of verses here today right but it is those video lists are complete mm-hmm and again, I I'd say this on every episode, but please, if you if you need anything, if you want prayer request, if you have questions, if you have concerns, if you want to just reach out to me and talk, if you're if you think you found a contradiction, or please, it doesn't matter what it is, just reach out to me, share what's on your heart um, with me, or you know, because you know, hosting this podcast, or if it's with Lawrence as well on his he has his email on his site foreignsevenministry dot org as well. So please reach out to me. I'd love to talk with you. I'm, I'm, uh, um, I don't bite. <laughs> I don't bite. So um, I'm more than willing to talk with you. I'd love that. So if it's on your mind, if not, there's no pressure. But just wanted to let you know you can. It's there. So the option is there. But anything else? Anything else that uh, you want to say before we? That should be it. That should be it. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining, and we will see you in the next episode. God bless you. God bless. You.